Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed to foster community for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike by navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Thanks for joining. Quentin Earl Darrington has most recently been seen on Broadway as Agwe, the god of water in Once on this Island. He made his Broadway debut in the 2010 Tony-nominated revival of Ragtime, starring as Colehouse Walker Jr., and was also seen as Old Deuteronomy in the Broadway revival of Cats. His extensive career has taken him from the Bay to Broadway and beyond. Since graduating from UCF, he has performed in numerous shows and concerts traveling through 46 U.S. states, Canada, the Caribbean, and Europe, while being a part of the Broadway national tours of Memphis, The Color Purple, and The Lion King. Quentin has also starred in productions at the New York City Center, the Kennedy Center, Paper Mill Playhouse, the Muni, the Cincinnati Playhouse, Sacramento Music Circus, and the Goodspeed Opera House, among others, and made his cabaret debut with the New York's Broadway by the Year series, Songs of 1927, and his solo concert debut with QED, Chapter 1, Verse 1. He holds an MFA from University of Central Florida and a BFA from the University of South Florida. Please welcome... Quentin Earl Darrington. All right, Narrowway to Broadway, welcome back to our show today. We are so excited to be welcoming Quentin Earl Darrington to the mic. How are you, Quentin? I am so good. It's so wonderful. So it's wonderful to hear your voice and to speak to you, Emma. Thank you. Yay. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Well, I... When we first started planning for the podcast, you were one of the people that immediately just came to my mind because when I was a wee one, we worked together <laughs> um, in Atlanta at the Broadway Dreams Summer Intensive. And I just remember you being so wonderful and kind and outspoken about your faith. And I was just so inspired by that. And so I'm so excited. We snagged you. However difficult it may have been for our listeners, just to give you a brief um, backstory, Quentin and I just spent (laughs) nearly a half hour on the phone trying to figure out technology because the enemy does not want you to hear what Quentin has to say today. So get behind me, Satan. We are here. We are on Zoom. We're killing it. Okay. So Quentin. That's right. Was it really that long ago back in what, 2010? Yes, no, no, it, not 2010. Or, or when was I in Atlanta with you? It was 2010 because I was, I remember, or maybe it was 2012. Because I would have been like four or 15, 14 or 15. Wow. Yeah. So that was a while ago, but it was awesome <laughs> and I will never forget it. And then I think we worked together a little bit later at maybe the Charlotte Intensive or something. I can't remember fully. Okay. But we all keep up with each other. So, you Amazing. know, you know Amazing. how it would be. Um, okay. Of course. Yes. Um, so, Quentin, I would love to ask you, just diving right in here, um, mm-hmm. about the not the most recent project you've done, because we know that's MJ and that's like its own thing right now with quarantine and all that good stuff. But sure, sure. Um, the Broadway revival of Once on this Island, yes. where you played Agwe. And I would love to know, just because... The show, if our listeners don't know, the, sh- the show is extremely 
spiritual in nature. You know, it's about these gods and how they're interacting and interfering in this young girl's life and how that transpires and how all of that looks. Uh, so I would love to hear just from your perspective from a, sh- you know, a show that is super spiritual, you know, polytheistic in nature. Mm-hmm. How did you, you know, how did you allow your faith to inform a role, you know, playing a God in a play world like that? And how did you see our God showing up in a show that was so, you know, spiritual, but not maybe biblical? Amen. Great question. Great question. Well, you know, it's, 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 it was a little, it was a journey for me and it was a pretty natural journey, an easier journey for me because there's never a time when my faith or our God is not a part of my process. Mm. Um, One of the biggest reasons why is because, um, you know, with, uh, in my background and, and of course the years of, of training and, you know, coming up, putting in my paces as an actor and kind of developing all of my techniques and methods, you know, over the years. Um, one of the most valuable resources that we have, if not the most valuable resource we have as an artist is ourself, is our body, our mind, our heart, our spirit, our own living experiences, you know? And in my life and my natural experience day to day, um, Christ is the center and God is the focus for me to constantly pursue um, to live a life that's pleasing to him, to live a life that honors him and to live a life that uh, blesses and helps people. And through that technique that we use, of course, um, as artists, uh, to infuse oneself in every single character for me is a must mm-hmm. at some level, at some level, if not completely, um, Yes, you're stepping into the shoes of someone else or something else at a time, but you can't go too far without also involving your own personal experiences to personalize the character. So if I'm in my natural life walking with God and walking with Christ, you best believe that every character I play uh, will have that same walk or at least maybe even struggle with that walk. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, it's always there. It's always there for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so was that would you say it was difficult to play a being who existed with these, you know, omnipotent, all-knowing powers? Or did you think that it was cool to infuse what you knew about the Lord into that character? You know, it's interesting because in the character, uh, in, in Once on this Island, Once on this Island is pretty much a play within a play uh, mm-hmm. that's happening. And I was playing two different characters in the show. Mm-hmm. I play um, an island native. Uh, we all call them a storyteller. And his name was TC, uh, a character who was not godlike, who did not have powers, of course, as the play began. And then we create the story for this little girl to give her comfort in the, in the, in the depths of a storm. And mm-hmm. we became these characters for her to tell her the story, to teach her love and to teach her hope. So as TC, uh, which I based my character of TC, my storyteller off of my own brother, whose name is TC ah. and who happens to be a fisherman who happens to be very gregarious, very, he's a townsperson. Everybody knows him. You know, he's like that guy in the town that people know and the community comes together around him. Um, wow. And uh, so I based TC off of TC and it was within that character 
that I infused more of my walk of faith when it came to uh, being kind, being gentle, being loving, mm -hmm. extending grace and mercy to the people in the community around because that's what my brother does mm -hmm. within his community of Winter Haven, Florida here. And so that was what I brought to the character for some authenticity. When it came to playing the actual God of Agwe, Actually, Agwe had quite a few limitations. He was not mm. omnipresent and omnipotent. He was actually very, very limited, which was mm. part of his greatest conflict, that he was not God, ah, you know, right. <laughs> that, that he struggled and fought with that. And all of the other gods that um, we uh, interacted with, the other three gods within the story, all, of course, had their issues as well. Right. But Agwe was kind of like... Um, he was the the younger of the of the four gods, and so I had a lot of fun playing with kind of my childhood and the childhood cue for that. Um, but you you would think that I would look at this god and playing this god as pulling toward my faith, but more so he was a kid kid in a candy mm. store. That's cool. I love that. And then I know so that was I can't even remember what year that was. Was that twenty seventeen that that revival happened? Did or we open I. I think we opened 2017. I, I think, could be so wrong, but yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was correct. Because um, I remember the, the Tonys that year. I think that was correct. But so jumping back a little bit, um, you played Cole House Walker Jr. in Ragtime, both yes. at Paper Mill in 20, or 2005, and then you did the Broadway revival in 2009. So this is just something that I'm excited to ask because I've never played the same role twice. So what was mm. the experience, you know, playing the same role twice, four years apart? And it, I mean, you just said what you love to do is sort of infuse yourself and there's no Absolutely. way for you really to play a character without that. So how did you see a character maybe grow as you were growing and aging and stuff like that with the development of those two processes? You know, you're already hitting the nail on the head that... You know, we as individuals, as, as, as human beings on this earth, every single day we grow um, uh, with new experiences in relationships, in family, um, uh, in challenges, you know, we're constantly growing and constantly being shaped and molded day by day. And, and uh, I'm, I'm always asking God to keep me aware, to keep me um, humbled, keep me vulnerable, keep me tender and soft, mm -hmm. my heart, um, as I'm growing and keeping my eyes and my ears wide open. Um, I love to consciously always be aware of, of, of life and the world around me and others. And um, mm -hmm. particularly with ragtime, one of the biggest changes for me and, you know, in playing a role from 2005 and then again in 2009, um, there was a time that I played ragtime Emma actually even before 2005. Oh wow. I had a chance I had a chance to play Cole House uh in five different iterations of the show, right? Wow. But here's the greatest growth. The greatest growth is that one of the key elements of ragtime for Cole House Walker Jr is um this legacy that he will leave for his son. Mm. Uh his son who he has who he does not know and he also knows that he will surrender his life before he gets a chance to know his son, but he knows that his son will live on. Yes. Mm. And he lives and he has a complete change in his heart, in his character, in his soul um, with regards to giving his life so that his son can live on. 
Mm. There was a time when I did ragtime when I had no children. Mm, right. By the time that I finished ragtime on Broadway, I had three sons. Wow. And so that alone completely informs um, my sensitivity to the character, my sensitivity and um, connection to the material, um, to the stakes that are raised, you know, within the conflicts of ragtime and the time, you know, what was happening in the, in the storyline. So absolutely, that was one huge key that, of course, I used and infused within the character in developing Cole House right. was my own children. Right. That's awesome. Um, so another thing that I was excited to ask you about, and, you know, I think with this podcast, we are super excited to be talking about what people are working on and all of the fun things that like come with being an actor and all that stuff. But, um, Mm -hmm. we would be remiss to not, you know, live up to our mission statement. I don't know the very end of our mission statement. I'm not even sure if you heard it, but it says that Mm -hmm. we want to, to discuss, issues affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that one thing that are, you know, that is on the hearts and the minds and is being discussed in the homes of not only artists, but everyone everywhere right now is how our country looks at race and at racism, specifically in regards to these stories that we're hearing of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and so many more Mm -hmm. that are just Mm -hmm. like, you know, we would take all day to, to discuss all of this, but you know, you, Quentin, as an actor, have had a voice in projects like, you know, like Ragtime and Memphis and The Color Purple. And you worked on Mm -hmm. um, I Dream at the Alliance in Atlanta, where you played, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. And I just Mm -hmm. see that the Lord in your your work has entrusted you with some content, you know, specifically dealing with issues of race and racism. So I wanted to ask you, how has being a person of faith informed approaching roles concerning these themes um, and how has this been dealing with spiritually and then also how have you seen God use art to impact um, social change oh my gosh that was a lot <laughs> oh it helped me remember some of it as we go through no yeah. but that's, that's so beautiful and yeah. so beautiful I, I will say first of all um, it is one of the greatest blessings um, what a privilege it is to be an artist um, living in today's time and working in today's time right now and also um, to tackle such roles and subject matter that I have in the various shows that that have shed light upon um, timeless issues that we have faced here in this country and the world um, one of my prayers constantly in my growth and uh, of my career is to always, God, bring me to work that matters. Bring me mm-hmm. to roles, to work, to scripts, to material um, that will be able to encourage someone's heart for the better, for change, for healing, for lifting, for comforting, mm-hmm. um, and also to question. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it seems that uh, fair uh, prayer uh, is always answered and God is faithful and he constantly keeps bringing projects and opportunities to me that I have to struggle and wrestle with. But yet because of that, it makes me grow and I'm always uh, made more aware and better. But again, ultimately uh, to glorify God and then too, to help mm. people to serve my, my brothers and sisters. Right. Um, you know, uh, 
artists has always been completely necessary uh, for humanity on all levels uh, to bring yet again, like I said, the uh, encouragement and love uh, to, a, to a demographic, to a people. America can always do better and America should do better, always, always. And there has been many a times where I believe our country has dropped the ball. Our government has dropped the ball with those who are quote unquote considered lost or forgotten or right. who may not look like the status quo, um, or who may be poor. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see a continued outpouring of art, not just theater, not just um, plays, but dance, musical, opera, um, um, uh, modern art, um, so many uh, pieces created that continue to push us forward toward healing, toward empathy, and toward understanding uh, mm -hmm. for all people, and also representation and recognition. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many stories that are, uh, that are not told. There are so many stories of people's lives, of, of culture's lives, that need to be and should be told so that we can be a better people, all of us. Mm -hmm. That's the way that art can influence and enhance, you know, culture. That's right. the way that we can help project a heart and open people's heart to be able to receive a difference. You know, just because someone is different from you or they may not look like you or they may not come from the same place does not mean that they, that they are less than, does not mean that they are not necessary. Uh, does not mean, mean that their life does not matter at all. Right. But I believe that those are the type of, those are the type of topics and those are the type of moves that we need to make through art to continue to force and push um, new narratives and mm -hmm. representational narratives, you know, of all people so that we can have a greater empathy so we can all move forward. Typically on Broadway, particularly, um, it's been a fight of mine and a challenge of mine to see more representation. Mm -hmm. I remember I was asked a question uh, a few years when I was doing Memphis, actually. They said, you know, it seems like with Memphis and there was quite a few other shows where there was uh, quite a few um, projects going on with um, African-American casts or African or predominantly African-American um, people, you know, uh, in roles. Uh, on Broadway at that time during those years. And they asked, with this resurgent, aren't you happy? Aren't you glad to see this? And I said, yes, of course, I'm happy to see it. But what we need more of is not only just a show where we have a lot of Black people um, being uh, in the show and leading the show, but we need more leads of shows that are people of color. And the show itself, or the subject matter of the show, has nothing to do with their color. Mm. And it's, it's, it's very rare to see it. Oftentimes we will see, of course it does happen, yes, uh, not, to negate, not to negate that. But right. very often you'll see a show where there is a white lead of the show and it, and it has nothing to do, the subject matter, the show, the content has nothing to do with them being white. Right, right. But if there's a black lead in a show, and again, there are shows that, you know, that um, don't do this, but... Uh, over the years, historically, if there's a Black lead or a Black couple leading the show or an Asian lead or an Asian couple leading the show, it is a show set in a place that specifically they would come from or an issue dealing with uh, race or an issue dealing with 
um, slavery or a struggle from the past or, mm. you know, a cultural divide that way. Um, I would love to see more shows where all people can see anyone of color deal with matters of humanity. Mm. And it doesn't matter what color they are. So I'm still waiting for the day when we have more shows and, um, and that representation is there. So you don't right. see a black farmer, you don't see uh, a black doctor, you don't see a black uh, piano player, you mm. see a piano player, you see a doctor, you see a farmer, um, just yeah. like it is on, you know, for the other side for um, my white brothers and sisters who lead shows. Totally. And just how art, like art itself has always spearheaded that, has always spearheaded social norms or the or perception of things and i think that is so beautiful to just desire that as an extension of your faith and as an extension mm -hmm. of you know the the lens that you look through not not as a person of color necessarily but as a person who follows jesus and as a person who was made by god mm -hmm. um so I love, I love that. And I was excited to ask you about it. And I was also nervous to ask about it because I just feel like, you know, in starting this podcast, we, we had put it off because we were scared because we knew that God wanted to do big things through it and in it. Mm -hmm. And we knew that if God wanted to do big things through it and in it, that the enemy was going to not want it to exist. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I can totally see. Yeah. I totally agree with everything that you were saying and, and thank you for speaking on that. Um, Emma, here, here's the thing, Emma, and, and I'm so glad you asked. Don't ever be scared. Don't be scared of that question at all or any question. I would love, matter of fact, if you have another um, a brother or sister uh, in faith who comes on who happens to be white, ask them the same question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. ask them the same question about representation totally. and about race and about the same thing. Right. And um, continue because we all need to answer that question, not right. just black people. Totally. Um, so I would, I would contend to believe that also that white America needs to answer the question even more so. Yeah. Even yeah. more so about how do we represent others who don't look like us and how do we support others who don't look like us even more and not yeah. just leaving it to them. Right. Yeah. I feel sort of like it comes down to what does the Lord want to do in humans right now? And I think that to not ask ourselves those questions and to not speak about that is not doing what he said to do, you know? So that's Amen. how I feel about it. Amen. But okay, moving forward. So I would love to just hear, you know, you've had an awesome career and you've been able to have the opportunity to be in a lot of casts and on Broadway and work a ton regionally. We heard it earlier in your bio, but so how have you seen God most profoundly use you in the theater community. I know, you know, a lot of the times we're like, okay, I want to show Jesus or I want to be a, known as a person of faith, but have you seen God working mostly in like conversations you're able to instigate or is it just in being Christ for people and allowing your actions to speak for themselves? Like how has that, have, how have you seen that work in your life? Yeah, yes, as it relates to, um, you know, being with the companies and the different casts over the years, um, it's been very much an active service, uh, a day-by-day -day, um, walking with God, walking with uh, Christ and allowing that presence um, 
um, to be able to touch and reach those around me. Sometimes, absolutely, it does come to conversations, mm -hmm. but I would, I would dare say 85, 85% of the time, it's actions and what people see, mm -hmm. what people hear, it's integrity, it's um, truth, it's um, um, the way that you carry yourself within uh, the company and around. And, and I am very, very, very much aware that people are always watching. I'm very much aware that people are always, you know, being kind of like in my show currently, um, and it's amazing to me. I'm one of the oldest in the cast now, Emma. It's, mm. it's insane. And I'm, and I'm not old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it blows my mind because I remember when I started, I was the youngest in the cast, always. You know, I was the right. youngest in my, in my companies. And now I'm one of the oldest. And, and not only just oldest and uh, uh, eldest in age, but also just in time, you know, in the business and career. And, mm. and so I'm, it, it it, I'm not, it doesn't pass me that with that and carrying that, that um, the younger artists um, are looking to glean for wisdom. They're looking uh, my way and my direction to glean um, uh, answers to questions they may not want to ask or won't ask to others mm -hmm. or to the uh, management. And, and so I was looking my way to see, okay, okay, well, what is Q doing? What is he going to say? What is going to happen? You know? Um, Totally. And to me, it is, it's a beautiful responsibility, but one um, that uh, God has led me into um, for the sheer fact of being able to continue to serve others and to um, show Christ to them and, yeah. and how I respond to conflict and what happens right. in my patience and my peace, you know. So that is one of the greatest ways. And, um, but God is always there and, and I love it, man. And always being positive and sharing joy and, and speaking good words and kind words to everyone. And I think it's infectious. God is infectious. And, and that spirit just moves around the whole body and the company. And I always have a great time wherever I am because of Christ. Yeah, that's so good. Would you say that you've ever experienced like any backlash because of your faith or how you exercise it? Absolutely. I absolutely yeah. have. There was a particular um, case back in the day when I was starting out in 2001. I was on the road. I toured for about eight years of my life in touring companies mm -hmm. um, before my Broadway, um, on Broadway career started. And um, I was in a show and I, at the end of every show from the beginning, from when I started being in shows in this, uh, what, seventh, eighth grade, I always pointed up to God um, when I took my bow from my curtain call, you know, from my big bow. I would always acknowledge God first and then I would bow to the people. That just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, done that all my life. And so um, I was coming out to take the final bow and I was the lead of this show. I was taking the final bow and I came out and pointed to God, of course, bowed to the audience after that to say thank you. And I would do this every night, night after night, night after night. And then one day I started to find out from one person at a time, it was my dressing room mate first that kind of literally turned in his chair in the dressing room and just spewed displeasure at me um, for acknowledging Christ, acknowledging God. And then within the matter of a week or two, uh, the entire cast had been divided and fighting about this against me for a, over a month 
and I had no idea, no no idea. It blew my mind. I was getting a lot of issues and pushback and people weren't talking to me, but I didn't know what it was. I was trying to figure it out, you know? Um, And it just grew and grew and grew and grew into a a horrible mess. Mm. And um, eventually, after some time, stage management came to me and they were like, you listen, you're not doing anything wrong, but would you just please not do that? Because we're, we're, we're dealing with the most right now and people yeah. are fighting and they're fighting you. And, and I said, um, you know, let me think about that. So I prayed on it. I went back to my stage manager and I said, no, I'm not going to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, it just makes sense to me. It's my bow. Yeah. I want to acknowledge God. It has nothing to do with the show. The show is over. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, it got pushed to management. We had to shut the show down. People, people, Emma, divided buses. So ah. we, had one, we had one tour bus. We had to end up getting another tour bus because people refused to ride on the bus with me. <gasps> and we got on another, we got two tour buses now. So the, the other camp <laughs> got on their tour bus and I stayed on mine uh, with, of course, the people who didn't care or who supported me. And um, it was just a mess that that was wow. even a thing, right? Right. And, it, and eventually the ending of that whole story was um, uh, the director of the show, the original director of the show, um, the company manager, the general manager, they all flew into one city. I think we were in like Greensboro, uh, North Carolina or something like uh, that. That's funny. They f- Is that where you're from? I'm from Charlotte. <laughs> oh, you're from Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they flew in. And they announced a huge company meeting to deal with all of the drama. Wow. And one of the first, again, this had been working up about a month and a half, almost two months by this point. Everyone was at odds. And so the first thing that happened when they got to the theater is they came to my dressing room to talk to me first one-on-one. And they said, Quentin, we just want to tell you, you keep doing what you're doing. Everything Mm -hmm. is fine. Everything is fine. The weight that was lifted off of my shoulders, because I didn't know if I was going to be fired. I didn't know if I was in violation because I was in my dressing room and my cast members were calling uh, equity against me. They were Ah! trying to get me fired. They were calling their attorneys. They were were trying to look for loopholes to force me to stop. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. And when I got that word from the company managers, from the general management that Q, don't worry about a thing everything is taken care of. You're fine. Then we had the company meeting and they made the big announcement that, you know, look, this is what we do. This is who we are. If you're unhappy here and then, you know, the meeting went on and some things were happened and some things changed and, but God was faithful and I was Mm. fine. Wow. What a big to do. For for a bow. (laughs) Yeah. Just for, just for a bow, just literally, just literally pointing to the sky to acknowledge God and then taking a bow, you know, it, it was crazy to me. Separate crazy. buses. That seems like you were like in timeout. <laughs> 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 that's so funny. Exactly. Wow. That's, that's what it awesome. Felt like. That's you yeah. Know. I bet what you said, he's faithful. He will yeah. not fail you. Amen. Never, that's never. Good. Okay, yeah, well, bro, we're going to... Just looking, looking back on that to today, you know, that was, uh, of course, much, lo- you know, so long ago in, in my right. younger days. But even now, I'm just so thankful that God is, has given me a level of tenacity and strength mm-hmm. and 
yeah. and love even more more compassion nowadays than I had ever back then when I was a kid to right. to really really fight better and to fight stronger and continue to stand up for Christ. Right. Absolutely. And what that looks like too of you know, I'm sure there were a lot of people, probably the ones who didn't really have an opinion about it, who saw how you carried yourself in the midst of that. And that's maybe where they got to see God for the first time working in someone, you know, and that's beautiful. So that's awesome. All right. So we're going to wrap up here. I have one more question for you. Um, Sure. So what is something, whether in your career or in your faith or both that, you know, you wish someone had told you or that someone had told you and you wish you had listened to? You know, uh, Emma, I, I can't say. I, I can't yeah. say. Um, yeah, I don't have anything particularly that I wish someone would have told me that, let's say, I would have dodged a, a you know, major bullet or major, you know, catastrophe. And, right. and I can't say that there's something that was told that I didn't heed. Yeah. Um, I'm a sponge. <laughs> That's so good. And, and, I, and I try my best especially when it comes to my work to live disciplined um because i believe that this work is is a gift from god specifically yeah. this art is a gift from god and i intend to use it for his glory and i intend to intentionally use it to bless other people's lives and i don't ever want to miss the mark you know when it comes mm-hmm. to being able to um take care of and be a good steward um, of this beautiful treasure that I have to help somebody else. You know, Um, it's one of the key principles to my complete existence and my purpose. Um, So I will, I would like to share, (laughs) it's kind of the opposite of your question. It's when someone gave me advice that I will never let go of. And it kind of set the trajectory for everything I do today. Oh, I'd love to Um, hear that. Yes. And, and so when you asked me about, you know, the, the first question is like, you know, um, no, but those two glaring things are right in my face and I never let them go. Yeah. Um, one was to, in my career, in, the, in my work to remain anonymous. Mm. And uh, that was a word given to me by a, a wise man. And, and I asked him, remain anonymous, what do you mean? He said, Quentin, only be known for the work that you do. And that's it. And what he was saying um, completely is that in our business, it's really easy to get lost in the hype and fame and the applause and the glory, quote unquote, of it all Mm -hmm. um, in the I am better than or I have more um, likes or followers or I have more this or more shine on me or I I have more um, Broadway world articles written about me or all this this kind of false sense of value yeah you know can really really uh, not only break and diminish your own heart but also your art as well Mm -hmm. and therefore you're you're ineffective uh, in the work and you're ineffective for anybody else at all um so he said q do the work and go home and that's something I've kept with me for the longest time. So um, I do love my cast. I love working with others all the time. But as far as um, what I love to highlight more than anything and spend most of my time doing is the work. That is what I treasure and I value. 
and literally that's what I have to offer and leave on the table. And then outside of that, that's about it. That's kind yeah. of the, the crux of what I do. And then the second piece of advice um, was that this uh, career is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm. Uh, I said, Q, take your time, run your race and stay in your lane. Yeah. Um, and eventually you'll get to the finish line and just take your time and pace yourself. Um, and that was a great word for me when I was first starting out as well, because I could see others who were getting a lot, doing a lot, and they were burning right. out. They were just totally. burning out, you know, burning out so quickly. And, um, but I'm so thankful that uh, God has held me and uh, been faithful for me as I've one step at a time, just continued to grow in this career and this business. And I'm not tired yet. So that's so good. That's actually so funny that you say that. I feel like this is like the themes of um, anonymity and humility are things that God just keeps speaking over my life. Like the other, I, I read this book a couple months ago that a friend gave me because I had just moved to Chicago and I was like, oh, I'm moving to a secondary market. That means I'm going to book right away. I was like, yay, this will be fun. Um, and I just like was not, I felt like I was auditioning and doing all this stuff and it like wasn't coming through. And my friend gave me this book called Anonymous. And it's just about mm. all, it's so good because, you know, in scripture, we, we totally read about the birth of Jesus. And then we see him a couple of times as he's, a you know, a, an adolescent, and then we don't see him again until the gospels. Like we don't hear, yes. we don't hear about him until his ministry begins. And it's, this book is about like all of the years when Jesus was like making chairs and he was like, Hey God, is this, is this the day when you want me to like start doing <laughs> the work that I was born to do? And he's like, no. And he goes back to making chairs. And yeah. I just think that's such a beautiful thing. And, and I, and I have been really struggling with that and hearing, I heard, I was like praying the other day and I was like literally on my face on the floor being like, God, why? Like, I, I want to hear from you. Like, I want you to speak to me. And basically like what I heard him say was, Emma, you are trying to be the light that I'm trying to be through you. Mm -hmm. Like you mm -hmm. want people to see you and not see me through yes. you. And yes. I was like, ouch. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And it yes. hurt, but what you said That's totally, good. yeah. And it just affirm. I just think that God uses people and he uses his voice to speak to us. So I just, I so appreciate your words, Quentin, and your just mm -hmm. ability to share your heart and your patience for me because I couldn't get technology to work. But no, don't you worry about that at all. Yeah. So may fun. I add one last thing for your, for your listeners? Yes. You know, I'd love to just give this word of encouragement to, um, any artists who may be listening uh, right now and, and stuck in this, you know, current position that we're in. And, and also, um, as we do, you know, come back to a place of, of performance and the art begins to flourish and grow again. Um, just like I said, that this business, this craft, this journey as an artist is literally not a sprint. It is a marathon. Take your time pace mm -hmm. yourself so many think that oh just because i didn't get it and somebody else got it or someone else got it and i didn't get this that that oh i, I then i'm no good or therefore I, I don't have any value or i don't have a place if you really believe that this gift is from god and you really believe and know that it is a treasured and special special 
anointing to be an artist and to have this gift. Everywhere you are, you can make a difference. It's not always about the jobs or the, the, uh, that you book the audition that validates your craft or validates who you are. Those things don't. God has already validated you. He's already given you everything that you need. And so I like to always tell my brothers and sisters, my fellow artists, that you don't have to be on the Broadway stage to make a difference or to make an impact or to change a life. So many of us put on blinders and thinks that and think that is the measure of success. That is success. That's successful. And it is not. Mm. It is not. You are an yeah. artist. Use your art to heal the world around you. There are people around you every single day in your own home, at your own school, mm. in your own community that you can use your art to help and to heal them, to uplift them, to encourage them. Mm. It's just a matter of you choosing to go do it. And you don't need anybody telling you when. So, yeah. Ooh, thank you. That was good. I needed to hear that too in this time. Woo. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your words. We appreciate you and love you, Quentin. Thank you so much. I oh, love you too. Thank you so much for this, Emma. You're incredible. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. We release new episodes the first and third Monday of the month. For more information on what we're up to, follow us on Instagram at InwayBWay.